Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Russell Watson and it's a wonderful chat. Um, I, I think I was, I shouldn't have prejudged, um, but I'm guilty of it. I, I, I presume the nature of, of uh, and the size of Russell's voice, he would. it was all going to be very much leaning towards um, the genres of music that Russell's um well known for doing and oh my gosh we go all over the place and uh and it's a lovely chat and uh and if you're a fan of paul weller then you're gonna love this because there's uh there's a whole world of weller going on in this uh podcast and uh and yeah it's a it's, it's a cracking chat this one um before we get on with it, I just want to do a few thank yous. Um, firstly, uh, thank you to Ashley for uh, facilitating this interview. Um, also, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, uh, the home of this podcast, and uh, and so many other wonderful podcasts as well. I'm in good company over there. Um, and a uh, big thanks to 76 for producing this podcast, who um, in a time where... All podcasts are recorded remotely due to the you know the situation that the world's in. You know, you can't quite get them pristine studio sounding podcasts anymore, and uh, and we all know that that's happening. You know, it's uh, everything's got to be done remotely, so uh, it puts a little bit more uh, pressure on seventy six to try and um, get these podcasts sounding as uh, as nice as they can and as warm as they can for your ears. And he's doing a smashing job, so thank you very much to to seventy six for this. Um, if this is your first time listening to Off the Beat and Track podcast, and uh, and uh, and you enjoy it, then um, I, I'll ask that you um, at the end of this episode go and have a have a look in the archives because there's 170, 180 odd episodes now. Um, chats with you know artists as, as diverse as from Chic to Melanie C to the Deftones, through to Madness, through to actress. Oh, who we got? Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington. Uh, yeah. There's so many, so many. Um, so go and, um, and, and as I mentioned um, in this podcast, um, Mick Talbot from the Style Council and, and uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bundle of stuff. Go and have a rummage and I'm sure you'll find something that um, will tickle your fancy. And, uh, and if that's not enough, then I do also have an accompanying uh, Patreon page um, which helps kind of support 
uh, the production and stuff of this podcast. So um, any any support over there is much appreciated. Um, you'll get access to four weekly radio shows over there and video episodes and, and all sorts. And uh, and you can support over there from as little as a dollar a month. Right, that's all the uh, the intro stuff done. And, uh, and I know why you're here and it's not to hear me telling you how you can uh, sponsor podcasts and stuff. You're here for this. And uh, and it gives me great pleasure to uh, to put it in front of you now. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with Russell Watson. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, okay. Right, we are recording. Um, sitting opposite me today uh, via the means of Zoom is Russell Watson. Hello. Hello there. Um, lovely to meet you. Thank you ever so much for your time today. Um, I know you're on a, 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 a one-stop shop to uh, on, on promo today, so uh, I'll try not yeah, to I mean, uh, take up zooming all over the place. Time. How you found it, the whole Zoom thing? Yeah, no, all right, actually. Um, it's good because, like, I mean, I've not got it on at the minute. I've not had a chance, but you can put filters on Zoom. So you know, like, if you're doing a national television, you can make yourself look ten years older and slimmer. It's great. <laughs> You'd have to give me some pointers on that, please, mate. Yeah, um, there's a few. Look, I, I, I can't do it. My wife knows how to do it. She can change the background and everything. I've got this kind of background, which is like it, it looks like I've got some really expensive kind of place where uh, I've got this really nice, like, open brick wall. But that's two pound ninety nine a roll at the range. That wallpaper, <laughs> <laughs> nothing too plush there. Um, well. We're obviously going to talk about what you've been up to creatively um, in the duration of this podcast, but obviously we, we we need to sort of talk records anyway. And um, and so let's get straight in with it for, for, for track one, uh, Russell. I'm going to ask you what you think is the song with the greatest ever intro. This, this one's easy for me. Um, Sol Mio, otherwise known as the ice cream song. <laughs> There's no bigger intro. When I when I when I sort of like if I'm ever using a symphony orchestra, I'll think if if say like I've got a smaller band set up, I might go for a might start with something different. But if it's a full symphony orchestra, there's nothing bigger. While well, you, you're stood in the wings waiting to come on the stage, the conductor strikes the orchestra, and immediately you hear this massive roar of. Bah, 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 bah. Straight away the goosebumps, and then I'm out there and start singing. For me, that that's the that's the greatest intro of all time. You still get goosebumps now. Yeah, I probably get them even more at the moment because I've not been on stage for such a, a long time. But yeah, when when I hear the the full orchestra, there's there's nothing like that noise. The full orchestra of you know, 60, 70 musicians all playing in, uh, all playing at the same time. What a noise that is! It's um, it's a weird one, goosebumps. It's um, because not everyone gets them, do they? No, I get them all the time. Particularly if I'm singing some of the more emotive stuff, like some of the sacred arias, that that type of repertoire, or songs that you know maybe remind me of certain moments in time. I'll, I'll get goosebumps then. Because I, I was chatting to someone that, um, that owns a record label, and they, they they said they'd signed this new band, and this band was trying this this kind of new thing, um, and they were really kind of trying to hone in on it and, and work it out. But apparently, 
like it, it goes back to sort of um one of the latter albums from Michael Jackson where so much emphasis was put on this production to put these kind of frequencies and these sounds in that give you goosebumps like to actually kind of the technology will induce the the, the goosebump it's crazy yeah i think there's you know most people, like for instance, people that you know, I, I can relate to, or people that know my music, it will always be the last note of Ness and Doma. Oh, when you sat, when you when you sang that last note of Ness and Doma, oh, I got goosebumps, and so did my wife Ethel. You only play up north, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> When you sang that last note of Ness and Dorma, there we go. Oh my word! My husband and I were—I had goosebumps, Russell. It was wonderful. <laughs> that went borderline Mavis Riley from Coronation Street, there, Russell. I know, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Track two. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Oh, that was interesting enough. That was that was back when I was a kid. My mum used to be um, a big Gilbert, Gilbert O'Sullivan, not Gilbert and Sullivan, let's not get the two confused. Gilbert O'Sullivan fans used to have this record on repeat all the time. And there was, there was one, one of the songs on there, again, which, what was it called? Alone Again Naturally. Alone Again Naturally. And it was funny, listening to it as a kid, I kind of got the general concept of it later on as an adult listening to it the lyrics have more significance and poignance than they probably did when I was a kid but I think that was the first song that I ever listened to as a, as a child where I got like an emotional connection to it through through the medium of the lyrics the lyrical content what was the emotion I don't know when I listen to it now you know it's sort of especially that that it's that last verse where he's where he's referring to um, where he refers to his father passing away, and he's he's talking about his mum couldn't stop crying, um, and then a few years later, um, she she passes away, and his relation to how he felt that you know he couldn't he cr- basically I, I cried and cried all day is is the lyric, and I just think it's a it's it's a wonderful a wonderful little sentiment that that sort of that kind of it draws us into our mortality it draws us into our humanity and I think it's it's such it's such as there's such simple lines but they have such massive impact you know um, and what you know when he's talking about and when she passed away I cried and cried all day alone again naturally such a simple line but just so impactful I think really wonderful writing. Aside from uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan, you know, was it a musical house? Was there always records on growing up? Yeah, there was one piece in particular. My grandma was a massive classical fan. So there was one piece, it's from a one-act opera called Cavalleria Rusticana. And it's a piece that's very, very well-known classical piece, actually. It's been used in several films, notably um, Robert De Niro's Raging Bull. Um, and that's a beautiful piece of music called Intermezzo. It's that da da dee, da 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 dee, da. Such a lovely piece of music. I don't know why, um, but th- there was there was certain certain points in that that 
that again gave me that goosebumpy feeling. It's such a lovely, emotive piece of music. Would you sing as a kid? Um, yeah, but sort of not, not kind of. You know, I wasn't like, I wasn't like Lena Zavaroni, where you know, at Christmas, Granny'd get on the piano and I'd get up on the, you yeah. know, get get on the the table and start dancing around the turkey legs. It wasn't. It was nothing like that. I'd sit in my bedroom singing along to pop songs. I'm a natural mimic. So, like, if if there was, I don't know, if Madness were on, I'd sing like Madness. If Cliff Richard came on, I'd do an impersonation of Cliff. Say, what, what, whatever, whatever artist was coming on, I would emulate their voices. And it's strange because I just thought that everyone was able to do that. And I've always had, I always had this ability, again, as a kid, so, like, if a record was playing, before the next track came on, I was pitching it, so I was singing it in pitch. I could listen to a tune, next tune comes on, immediately I was pitching what the next tune was going to be in my head, which was perfectly in, which was perfectly in pitch with, with the, the following tune. And I just thought, you know, this is nothing, nothing clever. Everyone can do it. Everyone can impersonate Cliff or whatever. Did no one ever kind of go... Oh, Russell, that's pretty cool what you're doing there. No one really heard me because I always did it sort of, I always did it on my own because, you know, I, I had a fantastic childhood. It was totally uncomplicated. And where was, was a it? Lot of lo- in Salford. There was a lot of love in the family. It was uncomplicated. And I, I can never remember, I, I can't even actually remember my parents ever arguing or fighting about anything. It was just completely uncomplicated. The flip side to that was my parents weren't the type of parents that, you know, were going to push you, drive you. I kind of just, everything was just carte blanche. There was no driving force behind me. You know, you, don't, you need to do this, you need to practice your piano, you need to, I just did my own thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. 
Well, let's let's keep it back then. And for for track three, Russell, does someone remind you of your time at school? It's a difficult one, this, because there's quite a few songs that underpin my childhood. You can have a few. You, you can throw some honourable mentions Generally, in, right? sort of like, you know, I mean, I think my time was around that sort of early, the scar period, and I was really into that. So, like, the beats, the specials, the selector, madness, and then, of course, there was my all-time favourite band, which was The Jam. And they're the first, you know, from the first record that they released in 1977, which was in the city, um, I was sold on the jam. I I think Weller is one of the greatest songwriters that this country has ever produced. I mean, even even the early stuff when he, before, I mean, he writes more, I would say he writes more accomplished lyrics now, but the stuff he was writing when he was 17 and 18 is just off the scale good. To have that level of, to, to be able to write at that level and, and have that understanding to be able to put across that social commentary at that age, it's ridiculous. Absolutely well, you listen ridiculous. To, you listen to something like, the, you know, the first single in the city, and you think about the, the first few lyrics and it's... In the city, there's a thousand things that I want to say to you, but whenever I approach you, you make me look a fool. It's again, it's it's so simple in in the way it's written, but when you as as part of the, the piece, it's just it's just it's brilliant writing. I mean, some I mean, what's the, the, there was one of the other ones that one of the early earlier tracks again that he wrote, um, which was kind of not 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 within the not within the usual realms that he'd write. He was, more, he was more into sort of like the political, angry young man stuff. But remember when I first heard English Rose? Oh, what It's like, uh, what, a, what a fantastic lyric. What a brilliant track. It's just such a great, great writer with such fantastic diversity in his writing skills. And on top of the lyrical, you know, on top of the r- lyrical bl- uh, brilliance the tunes are pretty good as well you think yeah. about going underground and start and that's entertainment and uh, down in the tube station at midnight oh. i mean just brilliant he was just struggling a for a hit around. record was he? he he was just pumping them out and 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 what i'm always fascinated about uh, about the jam is the amount of quality music they put out in relatively quite a, a short period of time when you sort yeah, of look back on it and the noise that the noise that they made as well for a three-piece band, you know, you've got Weller, Foxton, Buckler. It sounded like there was ten of them. Yeah. Because they were all sort of, you know, they were all fantastic musicians. But believe it or not, as strange as it sounds, that isn't the song that that kind of underpins my childhood. It's it's really weird. But I just always remember at every school disco that I went to. Um, relating to the fashion back then with the big baggy trousers that we were all wearing and the, a lot of us are wearing the um you braces. Know, rock on the braces the rock on tommy braces it was dex's midnight runners that song was always playing somewhere in the background it was yeah. either it was on the radio it was on my mum's wireless it was it was playing at the school disco 
that that song for me is, is just like you know the anthem of that period of time. Uh, absolutely I mean I couldn't agree more with you and, and it's and it's one of them songs that's become a bit of a kind of staple at a wedding and a family you know party and stuff like that to the point where you know it's kind of took on a bit of a almost novelty party feel <laughs> but if yes. you listen to it and, and and actually sort of break that down it's a masterpiece of a record you know like, yeah, it's- absolutely incredible record and 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 yeah, um, what a band as well, you know, when the jam were putting out, you know, stuff like Start and that, Dexys were putting out Gino and things like that, and incredible records. Like, yeah. Uh, um, and there was great, the, the thing with Dexys was that the musicianship, you, listen, you know, I, I'm not knocking today's music, not knocking it at all, because some of it's fantastic, but it was all real. It was all organic. The musicianship was fantastic within the, the band. It was just great music. And it was just music that was played well and live by real musicians, not sort of keyboard overdubs left, right and centre. Mm. It was all real. It was all organic. It was great. Okay. Well, let's um, let's keep it back in uh, the formative years for track four. Uh, the first song you remember buying from a record shop. Yeah, this is where it all goes a bit not so cool. And a it bit always goes uncool at this one. Don't worry, you're in good company. No one's ever going to call I, I wanted to say that my first record was one of the tunes by The Beat. Um, I wanted to say that it was... Um, uh, God, what, what's the track now? Um, Mirror in the Bathroom. Mirror in the Bathroom. That's what I wanted to say. Because that was the second single that I ever bought, the first single that I ever bought was Christmas in Smurfland by <laughs> Father Abraham and the Smurfs. <laughs> I've done about 170 of these episodes. I think you might have just took the crown there for the uncoolest one. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I even remember the words, which is the saddest part about it. We all loved it, mate. Don't worry. We all loved it when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> it went to number one as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. I mean, growing up, uh, Russell, in, in Salford, how important were, were record shops for you? Going to, going to a record shop for me, was a, it was a bit sort of, it was almost, it, it was like a, it was almost like a religion for us. It was like something that was, it, it, it was, there was a procedure, there was a protocol to buying the records. We'd always know, it was my, my pal Steve Gleave, he would always know when the Jam were releasing a new record. Yeah. So I don't know, 25th of August. Hey, our kid, the new Jam record's out on the 25th of August. I go, oh, brilliant. Um, what 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 we're we gonna do? We're going down to Market Street in Manchester to HMD. Yeah, great stuff. We plan it all on the day that the record was coming out. The whole trip, the number ten bus straight into Piccadilly. Get off the bus, head down Market Street, go and have a wimpy. So we'd have like a burger and chips. My mate used to have his little little fish thing with his fish and chips and his little sachet of vinegar and salt. I'd have my burger with my cheese on. 
and then we we'd head out, have a wander around town for a bit, go in the shops, and then the final thing we'd do is we'd head into HMV, and there was the new record on the shelves, pick it up, get it. You know, back then the albums were 12 inch, so it was something that you could open up and look at when you got on the bus on the way home, looking at the tracks, wonder what this is, read the foreword on everything, and just be just the excitement of that sort of usually took us about an hour, an hour and a half to get home on the bus, depending whether it did did the sort of the the extra route round the council estate or whether we went straight in through the centre of Manchester. So there's always that tension building up, the excitement that you got home and it was like five o'clock and you were just about to put the record on, onto the, you know, put the plastic onto the, the, the record player and you'd hear your mum, no, so your tea's ready. Oh, I'm just about to get down here. It's going cold. Right. You got to wait another half an hour till you let your tea. Back upstairs, put the record on, put the, the needle on the plastic and then just sit and listen. I mean, it was it was a... It was a moment. It was something. Music really meant something then. And the thing is, purchasing music really meant something then. And I know it's all a bit melancholic and a bit, when I was a lad, I remember when. But it was. It, it really did mean something. And that that kind of, I think a lot of that's gone now. It's, it's a shame. The sentimentality connected to music and when you per, the purchase points. Now you just go on and you click on a, a link and they send it to you via Amazon or you click it and download it on iTunes and it's it's there right on your doorstep. Several things that you just said there resonated and it, and it's a conversation you know that, that has has come up on this podcast previously and and but but what you just described there was not just buying the record you described the journey. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that was part of it, you know. And then the fact that yeah. you would have had enough money in your pocket, I presume, to afford one album. Yes. And, like, and so when you get home, you're not going to play that once and, and then put it down and not play it again. That's all you could afford for that week or whenever, you, you know, you next had enough money to get your record. And it was like, so you would cherish it. And the second thing about that journey on the journey home was taking the record out, looking at the artwork, you know, reading the sleeve notes. And yeah. like them things they're the things and i know you know we're teetering on kind of granddad territory here but it's a reality you you do not get that from spotify or streaming no. services you don't get to look at like an amazing piece of album artwork and no you don't it's tiny mm. and the other thing is with with again with it's like i i do it now so i'll i'll download an album or my kids, all they've, they've all got Spotify, they'll download tracks, listening in the cars, one track after another. You never really get to... You never really get to kind of comprehend the an album as a full body of work now, which is a shame, because a lot of them are created as, as a body of work. So, like, for instance, I don't know, when we went to get Setting Suns by The Jam and I'd sit and listen to the album as a body of work. And there'd be tracks on there, you know, where I'd think, no, nah, I'm not that keen on that. But maybe after a while, all of a sudden, track three that you'd sort of, like, pick the needle up and skip past, you start listening, what? I like this now. You start discovering, you cool. start discovering new things about the music. Because you give it time. to the album. It's because you give it that time, whereas yeah. everything seems to move so quickly now and is almost disposable as a byproduct of that. 
you know, and people don't, as you say, you know, listen to an album as a piece of art, you know, as, you know, it doesn't work listening to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, like cherry picking two tracks. It don't work. It's, you know, that's, that's a piece of art. That's a concept that you've got to listen to from start to finish to, to kind of get Michael it. Michael Jackson's thriller, you know. Completely, completely. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm worried that, you know, that is the thing that is, is, is lost now. But I'm sure there's, there's pros to it as well. I guess, you know, people are, you know, every kind of piece of music in the world is available within seconds now. So there's got to be positives in that, I'm yeah. sure. Track five. And, I mean, blimey, Salford, where, what a place to go clubbing. Um, the sound that soundtrack your years in Clubland. Well, there wasn't, there wasn't really a, I wasn't really a club goer. So as a kid, like me and my mates, we'd go to the pub, we'd play pool, talk about football, drink. There wasn't, the music element didn't really exist in the type of environment that you know, we found ourselves in. None of my mates were into getting on the bus and going into town and going in the nightclubs or anything like that. We'd all sit in a pub and have a few beers. That was kind. Of, that's kind of like the the that was that's the Salford Salfordian culture. I think. Did it's the hacienda never present itself then? It did, but it never really interested me in respect of you know like when we went out we, we we kind of we're a group of people like-minded folk that all just wanted to sit over a pint and have a, a good natter and put the worlds to rights i think that was predominantly down to the fact that you know as a kid you know i was interested in what was going on in the world and politics and probably that's why i had this kind of connection to the paul weller repertoire as opposed to you know itsy bitsy teeny weeny stuff the music that I listened to was serious and it, it had a serious meaning to it. It meant something. It wasn't just, you know, like plastic pop. I'm not saying that, that there's anything wrong with that because a lot of pop music that I like, but the music that I was really into was music that kind of was of its time back then, but had a real, had real impact and had meaning. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on around the time that, you know, I was a kid as well, and you know, around that period of time where you know, um, like with the, the politics of everything, with Maggie Thatcher and the miners and Arthur Scargill, and oh, that was probably more towards the Style Councils period. But everything, the whole red wedge thing, wasn't it? Yeah, everything that I listened to related to something that had a specific political, you know, meaning. I am. Um... I spoke to Mick Talbot um, on this podcast last week. Um, brilliant. Um, Absolutely brilliant keyboard player. Oh, unbelievable. And, um, Massively it, underrated as well, what he did in the Style Council. Definitely. Are, are you aware of the, the documentary that's, um, that's coming out on the 30th? No. So um, on, the, on Sky Arts on the 30th of, uh, of this month, there's um, a new uh, documentary put together by the filmmaker Mark Baxter um, about the Style Council. And Paul's yeah. in it, and Mick, and Steve Wyatt, and DC Lee, and and there's yeah, all of the the the, the people you'd imagine like Martin Freeman and Billy Bragg, they're all on there talking about the yeah. merits of of the the trailers out now. And it, honestly, Russell, if you you're a fan of, of Weller in whatever yeah. form, it looks incredible, really incredible. 
that first that first album that they did, um, Cafe Blur. <laughs> Genius. Yeah. Absolutely. When you listen, it sounds like. I mean, when I listen to something like, you can't compare the style, the the writing style of Weller in in the Style Council was more complex and more refined than it was in the Jam. You listen to something like My Ever Changing Moods, and you can't compare it to anything, say, like that the Jam did. Both brilliant, but both very different, and both I feel showed the the development of an artist over a period of time, and not just the development of the artist and his views, but the development of his music as well. Massively, and it's, it's quite interesting. That's what's great. That's what's fantastic about listening to an artist. You don't get many opportunities to do that now because the industry is quite transient. So an artist comes in, I'm talking about songwriters as well, songwriters, singer-songwriters. An artist comes in now with a big bang and then the last four or five years and then the, the career slowly starts to disappear. With someone like Weller, you've watched a career that's spanned, you know, three, four decades and you've watched him transcend from the angry young man to being where he is now, which is a completely different place. Still got the same sort of political sentiments, but a different place in. And it's very rare that you get to watch an artist develop in that way. And it's very interesting to be able to watch someone grow in that respect and watch them turn into something, you know, metamorphosizing into something completely different. 100%. I mean, it sounds like you wasn't a big clubber, but I'm going to push you for a track. I don't know. <laughs> It'd probably be something like um, Long Hot Summer by the Style Council. Oh, what a record. What a yeah. record. Yeah. All right, well, look, let's... Um... That, that, the reason I picked that is because it kind of reminds me of... It reminds me of... reminds me of Earl and where I grow, grew up. It reminds me of Princess Park. It reminds me of green grass, trees... Teenage lads all gathered together with one sort of sole interest, which was football and talking rubbish. And we'd all kind of, again, it, it was a bit like, you know, it was a bit like a religion to us. We'd all you know, come each evening, we'd all go knocking on each other's door, picking each other up on the way to the football pitch. And it was, that was one of the tracks that always just, that, that just again seemed to for me just seemed to underpin that that period of time. Nice. Okay, for track six, a favourite song from an artist from your home county. I mean, I, I I don't envy you this. There's a there's a lot of good music come from Manchester. Yeah, I mean, it's probably from. I mean, at Blue Monday. Um. The Stone Roses, obviously. I mean, Oasis. You, again, you know, you look at you look at the way. I mean, with Oasis, that the 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 stuff that they that Oasis wrote is still kind of rocky, but I wouldn't say it's as punk as say Weller and the Jam in the early stages. It's a bit more um, sort of more mainstream, 
more sort of acceptable to mainstream. I think so. I don't think he's got that sort of spikiness that them early jam singles had. There was an urgency no. about them, about Weller at that point. It felt like yeah. he had something to say and he was going to get it out there. Yeah, very much so. That that angry man, angry young man sentiment came over with the early Weller stuff. Oasis, again, you know, the lyrical content... Um, it's just brilliant. I mean, you know, you listen to Wonderwall, it's a classic. It's not just a classic for, you know, the generation that it was written for. It's a classic now, mm. and it'll probably be, it'll be a classic in another 50, 60 years' time. It's, I think it's, that's, one of the tra- that's one of the tracks from Oasis that I think will stand the test of time. And also, you know, Don't Look Back in Anger. But then there was, the, you know, the Happy Mondays as well. They're up there as well. What about... Um... What about the Smiths? Where do they fit in? Yeah, you see, I, I was... I think the Smiths are a bit like Marmite. So a lot of my friends were bang into the Smiths. They loved everything they did. Morrissey, the whole kind of concept. There were certain things by the Smiths that I listened to. You know, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now, that kind of... The, the, well, this is great, but I was never a big... You know, I was never a big fan. But there were songs, you know, that I listened to that I thought, ah, oh, really, you know, that I really appreciated. I really did, really did enjoy. But not to the level of, of the jam. So we're going to go for Blue Monday for this one? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's just such an iconic piece of music. Um, I think the thing, for, the thing with Blue Monday was... If you listen to it in context now, you think, yeah, okay, that's great. But when it came out, there was nothing like it. It was years ahead of its time. It was kind of probably one of the most innovative pieces of music of that generation because it opened the doors to a whole new branch of music and a whole new branch of different artists. You know, I think without Joy Division, probably bands like Stone Roses and you know, the list is endless, may not have existed. Oh, of course, definitely. Definitely agree with you there. Yeah, completely. Okay. Final track. You can play DJ now, Russell. And uh, the song (laughs) that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Right. So I just need to check on my Spotify for this because it's a new new band, female singer. And I heard it. It's probably towards the end of last year and I have had this song on repeat and everybody, I can't actually, believe it or not, I can't properly, I can't remember the name of the artist because I just listened to the song, right? But everyone I've mentioned it to has has not heard of of the singer and not heard of the group, but it's the song in particular, such a great song. My kids aren't keen on it. I'll play it. Dad, why are you playing this again? Because <laughs> I love it. Where is it? Give me a second. Okay, so the artist is called Marie Dalstrom. And the song's called Lullaby. Right. Now, I, don't, I don't know this. Yeah. I've listened to a few. It's kind of like, um, it's almost, it's, 
it's it's very much jazz infused, but there's a bit there's a little bit of R and B in there, so it's a combo of jazz versus R and B. Because I didn't mention growing up when I was a kid, as well as the jam, I was in soul music. Was you know Freddie Jackson, Luther Vandross, um, God, the list goes on. James Brown. Um, I was properly in um, Alexander O'Neill. Loved Alexander O'Neill. That's my first um, ever concert. That was. Yeah. So it was. I was big into all the soul stuff because I liked the, you know, I liked the light kind of. It was a com- in, in complete contrast to the jam, hmm. which was you know, ah, and that was more so like yeah. Mm-mm. But then this fast forward, of, you fast forward a couple of years, though, and Style Council, that's him embracing the soul, isn't it? That is him going, right, okay, I'm going to make soul music now. Very much so, yeah. As we find ourselves, you know, fingers crossed, um, you know, going to try and end this year, you know, in a better, better place than it started. And, yeah. uh, you know, as that happens, um, what are you most looking forward to um, personally? And what have you got happening professionally? I think the thing that I'm looking most forward to is, for me, without question, is getting back on stage. I live for being on stage. I mean, I think kind of, when I think about all the health scares that I've had, everything that I've been through with all that, the one thing that I feel like I'm still here for a reason, the reason is to sing, the reason is to entertain, make people happy, to... I see music, personally, I see music as a form of escapism. I see it as a form of escapism for me, and I see it in people's faces when they come to my concerts, when I'm watching the first three rows, and I can see people coming in, and they sit there, and at first, you know, like... And then by the time you're, you're a few songs in, they're like... And they're, they're gone. They're, they're, they've escaped from, you know, whatever's going on in their lives, whether it's good, whether it's bad whether it's good health, bad health, whatever it is, whether it's some friends, problems with friends and family, everything disappears for that moment in time. And that's what I'm here for, to just, you know, entertain and just take people on a journey for, even if it's only for a couple of hours and they can go away and maybe have a different outlook on certain things in life. That's what I think music can do and that's what I want to achieve each time I walk on the stage. It's not just about singing for me. It's about the connection that I have with the music and the, more importantly, the connection that I have with the audience. That's what I want back. Wonderful. And professionally, what have you got coming up? Well, professionally, we've got the release of the new record, 20, which is a celebration of 20 years in the industry. Um, it's not 20 years. I mean, it's 20 years as a recording artist. I've been doing this for professionally now for 30 years. It's funny, you know, I think back to when I first started, when I first started treading the boards in 1990. It's when I got my first deal in 2000. It was a 10-year gap. And I remember in 2000, the, re- the first record went to number one and there was this big spread in the Daily Mirror, centre spread pages, overnight success, Russell Watson. <laughs> That was a long night, it was 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, just kind of just get back to 
I just, you know, it's it's been so difficult with this stuff that's going on at the moment. Um, but promoting the record's been a, a great diversion from it all. Having a new project out during all this has been a, a good diversion. Absolutely. Well, Russell, we put together a Spotify playlist uh, to accompany this podcast, which will have all the records that we spoke about, all your choices and, 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 and some of the others yeah. that we've had a natter about. Um Best of luck with the album. Um, it's been a real pleasure getting to chat to you about records. And uh, thank you very much. And uh, and don't forget that Style Council documentary. It's a bit of you, that. Yeah, I'll, ch- I'll check it out. And what a great what a great way to spend an hour. And what a brilliant interview. I really enjoyed it. It's totally different from anything I've done for ages. It's oh, great to talk about. So talk about something other than, you know, brain tumours and health and you know, what you're doing and where you're going. It's just nice to talk about something that, you know, that means something to me from, you know, another lifetime. Oh, that's wonderful. That's uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy that you enjoyed that. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, right. you're a good bloke. Oh, thank you very much, Ross. Have a lovely day. See you soon, buddy. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Thank God you. God bless. Bye-bye. There you go. Oh, a lovely man. Um, yeah, really, really nice to kind of get that that little bit of feedback at the end that um, you know, and, and it was really weird when he was talking about you know when he's on stage and he sings and you know he he wants to take someone somewhere for a bit and and I'm certainly not putting myself in that category, but for me, what I personally get out of recording these podcasts um, as well as listening to my favourite podcasts um, is that little forty minute distraction from what's going on you know I can engage with someone when I'm recording and and talk to them and you know find out and 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 have that connection which you know in the world that we're living in at the moment you know that human connection is is more important than ever and you know why it's not necessarily always you know uh, you know uh, uh, and being presented with opportunities where we can go out and and actively engage face to face with people you know you've got to make the best of what what options you've got and so you know if I can get to sit down with some amazing creative people over zoom and uh, and listen to them tell me their stories then uh, it's it's a wonderful distraction for me and if any of you get any element of that joy and uh, and you get that that little distraction from uh, from the day to day for for you know for 40 minutes or so then you know that's my job done and uh, and I'm a happy boy. Um, thanks ever so much. I, I don't say it that often, but thanks ever so much, everybody, for, for supporting off the beaten track. You know, in, in lockdown, I've seen the, the listenership really grow and, and it's it's lovely to have you all on board and and, and supporting and, and seeing the likes and the comments and the tweets and stuff. It's, um, it's, a, it's a really nice community of, of listeners and, uh, and I can't thank you all enough. Um, right. I'll stop waffling on there and uh, thanks ever so much. Thanks again to Russell. Thanks to you lot for listening and uh, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. 
And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.